You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Visit PencilandPaperProductions.Podbean.com to find more great podcasts. Welcome to the Palace of Mega Pixels. This is Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo! Welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host, Stephen White. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lacey Finley. Ooh, look at that breakdown. Happy yeah. Monday. Happy Monday. I'm feeling good. I'm I'm vaccinated. Woo! Woo! You got the second one all taken care of? Yes, I am. How you feeling? I feel... Hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm hesitant to say anything a certain way because then that usually opens the door for bad things. Well, this I, is individualized experiences this here. This is true. Yes. I feel fine. I have felt mm. fine for the most part. I say fine for the most part because a little yesterday and the day before, like the day I got it, mm-hmm. you feel a little off. Sure. You don't feel bad. You just kind of like, I'm a little tired. I just, a little I just, groggy, a little yeah, hazy. Just, yeah. just, just want to sit down. Don't want to do anything. Just, mm-hmm. just going to take it easy. Uh, I did kind of think ahead and took, you know, like a combination Tylenol, ibuprofen back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I never felt like I had a headache or a fever. Good. So I don't know if I did anything to help prevent that. Yeah. Because I was just like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just do this. And we don't have to worry about it. My arm... Did not feel sore until today, so I don't know if I laid on oh, it wrong, interesting, or something. Mm-hmm. Like I just woke up and I was like, ah, I didn't. Hmm. Like, yeah. What the hell? But beyond that, I feel fine. Good. And I'm hoping there's not a delayed reaction because that happens with my flu shot. I feel oh, fine yeah. a few days, and then suddenly it's just like ah. <laughs> it's like what <laughs> is happening? Your body's just a little slower to catch it on, and then it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> So hopefully nothing will happen by tomorrow or the next day. I just, I felt, like you said, groggy. Just like, I just want to sit here and be left alone. Well, that's good. I hope that's the worst of it. And then in the clear, hopefully that's the worst of it for you. That's that's what I'm hoping because I would like to get back to some form of normal. Right. As much as we can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if other people would join us. In doing this, yeah. we could all get back to this no mask mandate that everyone likes to. Oh, dare, I don't want to get political, but you right, know what yeah, I mean. we don't need to go into all that. Masks Thanks, are not political. But... No, 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 it's not political. Masks it's are not really political. Not. Damn it! <laughs> Just gonna say <laughs> They're that. Not, They're but... not political. It's common sense. It's science. Science. But science is lovely. It is. It really it's is. how we get vaccines in a year. Or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? But anyway. Uh, hey, we got that we're, we're back on the podcasters assemble thing. We are. We are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I hope you guys are actually listening to this because That's it's so a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> this last episode. 
We all just yeah. ripped into Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I mean, I did. Yeah. It's it's yeah. hard to say anything hard. positive. I feel like I found some good stuff though. Even if I had to make it up. Mhm. You know. I, I tried <laughs> I mean, to be happened. Yeah. Just my like my, my retelling of whatever it is. I at least tried to dig out one nugget of something that I felt was positive. That way I could at least say I'm trying to stick to to brand, you know. Right, but right, right. So hard. So that hard to was, say anything good tough. about that. That one was tough. And all of you out there, you if you've not seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I don't know if I want to recommend you go watch it. Well, it was like I said in the pod. It was like, I think it really just depends on your own personality and how much mm. you can allow yourself to lean into quote unquote awful movies. And just, okay, this is your rules and the story you want to tell. Let's do it then. You know? Yeah. And yeah. just turn that side off and just go, okay, for all the weird things you say and just accept it. <laughs> I mean, I've watched it more than once in my lifetime, and I guess at some point I was thinking maybe, maybe I just need to watch it a few more times. Maybe it'll get better. It doesn't. Oh, I don't know about that. No, it just it gets. <laughs> it just makes me. I, I think it gets worse then because then you're going to start seeing stuff maybe you missed the first time, and mm-hmm. yeah. But hey, they made a movie. That they did. They did, you know, and got mm. people in it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know, silver lining. You did something. Yay. (laughs) Random thing about the movie, but I just, I find it funny how we can all, like, people have different things they remember people from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember someone in the podcast saying that Sindel's mother, Mm -hmm. the actress, played a siren in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is true. I remember hearing that, yeah. My first introduction to her as an actress, was a movie called Oblivion, which was a sci-fi western. It was a B-movie from Full Moon Entertainment, if anyone remembers that name. And she was like a... I don't want to say a dominatrix, but it's about as what it is. Like a dominatrix-esque cowgirl had a whip. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's my first... you know, ride your niche... I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> but that's that's where I remembered her. So when I was lar- saw her, I was like, oh, shit, she moved up in the world. She went to a, a movie. And I was like, no, 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 this is not this is not yeah, Whatever you want to call this that happened just yeah. now. I mean, a budget yeah. for the time. Yeah, it wasn't 30 million, I can tell you that. Because I want to know where that money went. Somebody <laughs> needs uh, the IRS crawling up their ass because they didn't use it on the damn movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Go listen to it, though. You can hear all of our thoughts or whatever came out of our mouth at the time. Yeah. (laughs) About the movie. And hey, maybe you'll find someone new that you want to listen to. That's true. There's a lot of great podcasters on there. You could get interested to see what they actually do. They got links in their little bios, Mm -hmm. our Mm -hmm. links in the bio. We've been finding new listeners because of that. Welcome on in. Welcome. So hey, I if I didn't it. turn them away, that's always a good start. That's right. My- <laughs> <laughs> as loud as I am and everything, if you can come on in, then, I, you know, you're meant to be here. Sure. Welcome. One other little thing that I want to touch on, mm-hmm. and I want to see if you remember this. Oh, gosh. Do you remember? Hopefully you do. God, I hope so, too. Do now. you remember a show on TV called Night Court? Yes. Yes. Oh my Thank God. Thank God. Yes. 
I have been rewatching Night Court. Where? I had to buy it on Voodoo, like they were doing oh, okay. season sales or whatever. Yeah. And I was just thumbing through, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And looking at the price, nine seasons for like I think it was thirty bucks. And I was like, "I kind of yeah. want to buy that. I kind of want it." And yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get it." <laughs> That's fun. And is it? Is it? Uh, is it living up? It is. It's it's weird because I didn't realize, and I guess back of my head I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how many cast changes were just in the first two seasons alone. I would have probably forgotten myself then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So follow me here. And all of you who don't Mm -hmm. know what Night Court is, we're going to explain in a minute. So just bear with us. But I just want to touch on this. (laughs) Pilot episode, you had your defense, like the, the main three that have stayed from within the first episode you had harry stone mm-hmm. which is our judge dan fielding which is our defense attorney okay. uh bull shannon which was uh our bailiff or one of mm-hmm. our bailiffs and i'm gonna say this is this is first cast member that stayed on up to a certain point which is selma which is the other bailiff okay okay those are our main characters right there that have lasted more than one season Mm-hmm. The clerk, the court clerk, was played by another actress named Karen Austin. Well, apparently she got let go by episode 10 because, and I, I read this, and this to me is really messed up, because of a disease she had that was causing her problems on the set. I don't know. I can't remember what disease it was or what it was, but I guess it was just messing with her ability to function properly. So they were just like, Uh, okay, go. But she still acts, which is weird, even today. Oh. So, so like, other people figured out how to work within the limitations, but they were just like, no, we're done here. No, we don't want to deal with it. So she got let go, and then in season two, that's where we get Mac, which is the Mm -hmm. one I remember most. But her, I vaguely remember for the most part then our public defender there was a Mm -hmm. woman in episode one who was somebody by episode two she was replaced by another (laughs) actress named paula kelly well with pilots i'm not necessarily surprised yeah like sometimes that always happens from one to the next one anyway then by season two Paula Kelly was replaced with, they started off with replacements, like, here's a different defense attorney. Okay, she's gone. Here's another Mm -hmm. one. They entered, which this is really weird. They introduced Christine Sullivan, who was Marky Post, who came in later. They introduced her in season two as a special guest character, like getting her feet wet. Then they said, okay, well, you know. We'll see you again sometime, you know, sorry you can't stay. Then the, I guess, current actress who was going to play the new cast member at the time, she stayed on from there on out. Like, she came in the next episode and then she was permanent until Christine shows up. Wow. Yeah. At least they weren't, like, same characters, though, right? No, no, no. They just, yeah. yeah, they rotated them out. Furthermore, and I think this is the saddest part. And I just remember this from memory. Mm-hmm. Selma passes away at the end, by the end of season two in real life. Oh. Then they replace her with a, another similar type 
Florence or Flo, she mm-hmm. passes away by season the end of season three. Oh God! And then they bring in Roz, Marsha Warfield, who stayed on for the rest. And it was like, I was, ah. yeah. Wow, I'd be a little like panicked to get cast on the show. Well, I'd say with that problem, I mean, Selma, she was a heavy smoker, so lung cancer got her, mm, and that's okay. understandable. They went and sought out another type. So it's like you you are targeting the same person who just died of lung cancer, and you're going to get another one just like her to replace her? Not Good. smart. So I think when wow. they got around to season four and Roz, they were like, do not cast the same. And that's why we got a young black woman. It was like, she will be fine. Right? Hopefully. Hopefully, right? As best as we know at mm. this point. <laughs> but Night Court, is it's its a great 80s comedy. It's just silly fun. And, they, you know, they have little poignant moments, which I, I well, kind of feel like balance it out a little bit. That was back in the day where most, like, sitcoms <clears throat> had to end with, like, a feel-good moment or mm. a lesson to have learned, you know? <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't feel cheesy, you know, which is weird. And... I will even say for the time, for this point in time, the 80s, some mm-hmm. of the humor in this. Oh, oh man. Yeah. It's we like should they, probably, yeah, with a warning of. The, it was how risque. Times have changed. Okay. Yeah. I'd I say now, granted, there are those moments where they're like, like, I think there was a. Understand that this is the 80s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at certain things through a different lens. Sure. So, like, there was a guy, and, you know, even even what someone could consider offensive, I still feel like they they did a good job. Like, there was a guy who was dressed up in, it was just a, a big hairy guy in a dress. And someone kind of made that face, and you're like, are they going to, are they going to poke fun? Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where Bull said something to the guy, and it was, no, it was Harry. That's what it was. He was, he was like, oh, man, can you believe that? And they're like, I know, right? And he's like, those gloves with that dress? And I was <laughs> like, ah, see? Right. And that's that's great right. because you zig instead the, the, of that. The redirect. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I guess some of the risque stuff as I'm talking about is like Dan and what kind of a, a horn dog he is. Again, oh, his womanizing, well, I don't think could really fly as much. That was but, a pretty big trope. Yeah. Then too, in that era of tv but he's so good in this role it's so funny I, as as weird as it may sound and maybe <laughs> some people might not like it he just i don't know it works right the dude got nominated for emmy like yearly until he had to take himself out of the running that's how good this man is john wow. larroquette is a is a yeah fantastic actor i mean so give me that i'm i'm just enjoying this and for whatever reason, another thing it does in my brain is it takes me back to that point in time. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm remembering smells, things I remember, things I can sure, just feel yeah. from the '80s, memories of a house mm-hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's amazing that a TV show can do that. But whatever, right? it's tapping into something, and it just, it's a comfort in some weird way. So. Back it. to a time when things were simpler in our own brain because mm-hmm. we didn't have anything to worry about really then. Even even looking at the courtroom itself and you see just the 80s stuff. 
you know, like there <laughs> and was the a hair. Yeah, uh, there was a snack uh, machine, and it was one of those you just drop in and you pull the knob and it. Oh drops. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking at, it, I was like, man, yeah, I remember that. I remember all this stuff. It's just, it's insane. But Simpler it. times. Mm-hmm. Simpler. I love it. Anyway, hey, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? So I know we discussed that I was going to play the Resident Evil demo, but like I couldn't. Yeah. Every time I kept checking it, it wasn't unlocked yet. So I gave up. So, you know, I guess in podcast world, I totally should have had all day yesterday. Right. But uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't get a chance. So I ended up playing a little bit more through Liberated. Um I got to, I think, a little over an hour into that one now, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely more story-heavy than I think I was initially thinking, as mm-hmm. far as, like, text-heavy. Not a bad thing that doesn't discount it or whatever. I just knew that I had mentioned last week or whatever with kind of that uh, my friend Pedro feel with how they move. Uh, that might have been a little misleading if you were thinking I meant in the action. Uh, okay. So I just, like, the more I, I, I played into it, the way the mechanic using that description, I think, still works very much. So with the side scrolling up and down and all that kind of stuff and how you would control when you do shoot everything like that. But it is very much more um, like reading a comic and then playing out certain scenes as the pages flip or whatever. Uh, so if you're into a good story like that, that's more text heavy. I still can very much recommend it. I haven't finished it yet. I think. I honestly think I could probably get through the rest of it today. I don't imagine it's that long. Usually indie games like that, I I assume like six hours, right. you know, and if it goes longer, great, you know, um, but I'm still satisfied at the end of that, you know, for, for, for the value and everything. I think that's good. Um, and then that's probably the only thing with any meat that I dove into. Um Everything else was just kind of like little piddly things in between of stuff. I was gonna play that demo, man, and I and I will this week. I'll I'll, I'll talk about it at some some point in the future, because mm-hmm. um, I was gonna play it just for y'all. Because I had I I'm not a scary game lover. I like to watch these things. I can't control it myself. It get too tense and all this kind of stuff. I had the lights blaring. I was ready to go. <laughs> In my own safe little space, and it just never would connect. So I'm wondering, it was probably sometime late Saturday evening, I guess, that it unlocked, and I had already gotten myself distracted with um, another game at that point, playing liberated, so I didn't care anymore. I was like, well, it's too dark outside now. I can't play it now. I have to do it in the daylight. Too late. So I am. <laughs> too late. But- it releases this week, and then I won't even need to talk about it. All y'all will have played it that were interested. That's true. And uh, I could maybe just slide on by, pretend like I did, and no one will have noticed. Mm. Uh, hey, anyway. don't feel bad. I didn't play it either. I forgot all about it. <laughs> no, I did. I sat down, I think it was like at 3 o'clock my time. And I was like, okay, because I could have sworn the last thing I saw said like 5 p.m. Pacific for Mm -hmm. pc so that's like 3 p.m my time and it was still just sitting there hanging on and hanging on and then i want to say i checked like an hour later and it was still hanging on it wouldn't connect and then i said screw it and started doing something else and then forgot to go back and then i'm not lying it got dark and i was like no we're not doing that now Mm -hmm. it's gonna be in the daytime (laughs) oh 
So uh, outside of that, though, yeah, nobody wants to hear about me playing The Sims. I did end up playing in the 1890s. I'm starting a new decades challenge, and we'll see how long it holds my interest. I have a question. Uh-huh. Okay. Bear with me, everybody. Okay. Okay. Because um, I was told secondhand if this is a thing, and I just wanted to confirm with you since you're a Sims player. Okay. Is there BDSM (laughs) Sims mods? Oh, there's mods. Yes. Okay. 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 Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I figured as much. <laughs> I figured as much. Like some ever weird... since the very first Sims, modders have figured out how to make the Sims screw realistically in the games. I've I've heard some um, <laughs> some really really interesting stuff. Like, some <laughs> and there's re- some that's really 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 bad that like nobody should be downloading and putting. And even the people who mod these mods do not allow those mods. Gotcha. So. Like, yeah, so okay. Okay. if well, you could think it, they've probably modded it. <laughs> I don't want to go into details about what I heard because I okay. don't feel like it's appropriate, but I, sure. just, I just wanted to at least confirm that, that level and I'm like, all right, uh, cool, gotcha. Oh, yeah, people are very good in Blender. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> anyway. That's the human way. Mm-hmm. We got to have a sex version of everything or else, you know, this isn't real life. Sure. <laughs> Oh, that's great. We should talk afterwards. There's some really fun ones. And yeah, I'll admit I've downloaded some because it's <laughs> hilarious. Horny <laughs> money. <laughs> well, okay. Side tangent because like there's one. It's called Wicked Whims. We'll just put it out there right there for mm. the ones that are like, yeah, I can get a little risque, but it's up to you. If you're an adult and it's your game and that's what you want to put in it, then fine. Sure. <sighs> But if you don't set your settings and you just load it up, Sims will just start anywhere. And so you'll just be walking through the park and you're like, okay, this is a little too much (laughs) that they're just like in the middle of a park deciding with a bunch of people, you know, so it's like maybe go in and set your settings to a more realistic level. Sure. (laughs) Because I did go into a restaurant and it was bugged and every single Sim stood up, took off their clothes and sat back down. That would have so been every time I'd go out of the house, everyone would just get naked. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so you got to adjust them settings. Gotcha. You know. mm-hmm. Anyway, what have you been playing? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I do want to bring this up first before I get into those. Uh, I have been recommended yet again mm-hmm. uh, to play Disco Elysium. Yes. Everybody keeps telling me about it. Uh, I'm just not sure where you landed on, like, extremely text-heavy RPGs, which is why I hadn't pushed it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think think it's anything that I wouldn't want to play. And I keep hearing nothing but great things about it. And I just, I need to, I just need to get there. Mm -hmm. And I just haven't got there yet because I'm always distracted because you didn't play the Resident Evil. You're distracted. I'm distracted. You do, you do. You do get distracted. distracted. I don't have time. It's easy to do. (laughs) So, man. I'll have it's to... a long investment, depending on how you play it. So yeah, so I just I need to I'll circle around to it. If I buy it and download it, mm-hmm. that's step one. I just need to get there, and then I can look <laughs> at it and be like, hey, that that's the thing I need to play. Uh-huh. But I didn't play it. But again, recommended yet again. I'll get there. I mean, I love it. I mm-hmm. think it's a fantastic game. So, but what I did play. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of bounced between two because I got one 
for two reasons. One, because I wanted to play it. One, because I know somebody else in the house is going to want to play it, uh, which is new Pokemon Snap. Uh-huh. And I was, I, I debated on a review, and I thought, nah, nah. You know, because I've, I've gushed about the game, the original yeah. game, for so much, and I guess... To, from what I'm playing thus far, it's the same concept. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing inherently new about it as far as the base premise of the game. Mm-hmm. But everything else, the the locations you get to go to, the stuff that you use to interact with all the Pokemon, it I mean, it's all different or a variation. Mm-hmm. I've I have had a lot of fun with it because I guess mainly because it's relaxing. You know, I'm not having to worry about doing this or I doing that. I get those feels, yeah. So you just want to go through and you want to snap pictures. And then there's a lot of replay value in it because then you'll get these challenges and be like, hey, uh, if you look right here and they'll kind of give you a, a picture of an area. And be like, mm-hmm. hey, there's a thing that, that could be right here. Do you th- go check that out? And you'll be like, sure. Or they'll say, hey, this, this one Pokemon has this uh, behavior they do at weird times. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep your eyes open. You're like, all right, okay, sure, cool. So then you just start to reobserve everything because when you first go through, you're just like, ooh, there's a Pokemon. Ooh, there's a Pokemon. Ooh, there's a Pokemon. And you don't really care what they're doing. You're just like, snap, 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 snap. But mm-hmm. then you actually earn research points, which will then in turn level up your research for that area. And then when that happens, things change a little bit. So when you go back, then you may see something new here or there, or you may see a different behavior out of something. So mm. you have to start paying attention a little bit more to your surroundings. Not everything will react the same way as something else. Like you have a little music box. Mm-hmm. If you play it for some, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll do a little dance and you can snap a little picture. Some just don't really give a shit. They're just like, <laughs> like I hear it, but I don't really care. Right. So... It's just fun little things like that. Plus, each level has a second replay value because there is a day and night. So, mm-hmm. some characters that come out at night don't show up in, during the day and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, there's only certain ones you're going to see at night and some you're going to see in, during the day. So, gives you yet another incentive to go back at two different times of the day and see what you can find. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it. There's a lot of. It's just relaxing. Hey, there's there's fun, nothing relaxing to it. game. Yeah. And I think that's nothing wrong with those. Where I was kind of at, you know, when I was watching or playing it, it was just like, I want to play the other game, which was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But I was just like, but I'm kind of, kind of relaxed. Kind of, and that's fine. Yeah. We should be allowed to play what we want to for fun. <laughs> right. But yes, I also did play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And mm-hmm. I guess I should have, it just shows what kind of a, a person I am when it comes to these open world areas, because mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be stuck in where, where, where the, the Danes come from. They're like in the game. No, I mean, just in general, like the Norse people in they're like, I want to say Norway. That sounds, oh God, but up t- <laughs> because the 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 land you start on is like rough and craft and or whatever they want to <laughs> say it is. I've got no words. There's a lot of J's and R's and S's and consonants and no vowels, so I don't know I what just, to call it. I don't it. even want to help. This is more interesting. Okay. 
anyway, there's like when I first started playing, you know, you're in this big snowy area and yeah. you know, you get encounters with polar bears and <laughs> wolves and shit. So I'm just mm. like, okay, I'm gonna be here a while and I'm freezing to death anytime I jump in the water because, you know, stuff is under the water and I gotta go get that stuff or I wanna go get that stuff because it's treasure mm-hmm. and you wanna do that. Yeah. I see a shiny. Yeah. But then I'm just like, ah, ah, I'm dying. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's cold. It's yeah. freaking cold. Toughen up. But then I also noticed, and just thinking ahead, I was like, well, maybe maybe something will happen. Right up, like, here's the area that, on the map that I have, and then uh-huh. there's an area above me. And they tell you about what level, you know, is kind of recommended. This area that I'm in is level one. This area uh-huh. up here, 280. And I'm like, that's a long ways off. <laughs> I don't want a huge gap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I was like, I'm only at level 30. He's got to go up here now. Okay. And I go up there and then the entire game shifts and then I go to an entirely new continent. Oh, dang. So I go, well, is it a continent? No, I'm still in the continent. Entirely new country. Yes. Okay. I know geography. God damn it. I was uh, like, I, you don't need me to help you out. I go to, it. Yeah. I go to <laughs> England and then there's no snow. Everything is trees and warm and everything. Now, oh, really? <clears throat> I'm I'm walking around England, looking uh-huh. around, going, huh, look at it, look, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and I'm just checking everything out, and I'm like, there's, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go exploring, I'm gonna go exploring, and I go up this hill, and I see, I see the little thing with the eagle, and then you just mm-hmm. synchronize, and then I start seeing little dots, and I'm like, ooh, treasure, I'm gonna go treasure hunting, yeah, <laughs> okay, and then I spot this treasure. Okay, follow me on this. This is great. <laughs> okay. I go, and I'm just trotting along, and there's this treasure sitting on this cliff. And I look down, uh-huh. and I was like, huh, there's a treasure. There's two. What is that? Awesome. Two rolls of rope? Huh. Why are they Why are they red? Hmm. Yeah, huh. well, you okay. Know. Red rope. Just for cool. fun. I jump yeah. down. I start hearing hissing. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what the... F- oh, Mistakes were made. No, the rope is a snake. Oh, good. And I'm like, ah! And dropped in with two of them. <laughs> and I just start swinging my axe wildly at these vipers uh-huh. because I was like, no, 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 no. I yeah, thought it no, was I rope. Can't handle it. Rope. I thought this was rope. And it was a Aww. fucking snake. Why did I think it was rope? I don't know. I don't know either. But I, I mean, in game, it. in game confides, you know, you're just like, it looks like rope. It looks Maybe like Maybe it's rope. a special rope, you know? Hmm. The, the, I don't, yeah. It was glowing red. I should have taken that as a hint. Oh, then maybe, yeah. That it's an animal, not rope. Uh, my brain yeah. said rope. Brain said rope. Well, that so, was your fight or flight. Just didn't kick in correctly. I just, I killed them. <laughs> yeah, they didn't okay. bite me. That's good. Luckily. But now I'm I'm on guard. So anytime there's a <laughs> uh, a well. PTSD. Yeah, or, or a crevice. Or even if I hear, or the hissing, whatever, growling, uh-huh. freaking noise it made. I, I instantly went like, for a cat because ah! they're the most malicious. I'm like, like yeah. no, wait, no. So I just, I go berserk. 
So, yes, that was fun. Weirdly, like, I was expecting to encounter some form of wildlife as I was running around. And I don't remember seeing any. So I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. I think I eventually ran into a wolf or, or something. But it was just like, huh, it's nothing around. Weird. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why my brain was like, huh, rope. Rope. Right. Rope. Clearly. That's what happens next. There are no <laughs> animals around here. Just plenty of rope running around. Bloody a rope so you can climb. Hmm. How thoughtful. But <laughs> so far, uh, what I've got to play, uh, it's it's one of those time suckers where you, you keep looking and you're like, just one more thing, one more thing. Mm-hmm. And I did that last night and I was like, damn it, stop. I said, just stop. And I had to put it down. Put it down. But I'm enjoying it for the most part. Yeah. It's It's got its... its things like you know as most assassin's creed games do but overall i'm i'm mm-hmm. having fun with it so. good yeah it's all that matters man mm-hmm. you got any news mm-hmm. for us well we've got a lot that mm-hmm. happened this week I'm what do we got you. uh what do we got well i think we should just start off talking about our favorite human in the entire world mm. i know mr bobby kotick mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A person we, we love to hate around here. Uh, so back in the news for exactly why you would think he's back in the news. Um, we just had a little re-up, I guess, on his contract here. So he'll be around for at least the next two years, which is uh, in an employment extension agreement with the SEC. And that Bobby, this time around, though, has agreed to a pay cut. What? Up to 50%, they say here. Uh, yeah, so the agreement. <laughs> Don't feel bad for him yet, or good for him, or anything, in my opinion. But it shows these changes were made supposedly to bring Kotex pay in line with company targets. You see, this new structuring apparently better reflects the shareholder feedback and incorporates market best practices and continues to directly connect pay to performance and all of this jargon that I'm sure like what none of us care about but you know it's got to go in the agreement it's got to go in the agreement I mean we have talked about how ridiculous his pay has been how many years now over the midst of all these massive layoffs that they continue to do Mm -hmm. my question here Uh uh-huh what is he up to? Oh, no see. way he took a pay cut like that and isn't getting it. So, um, He's he 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 won't be hurting. Let's just say I don't feel bad for him. Uh, but I mean, his pay has been way overblown, as most of us know. Um, heck, what even in Forbes? You know, top paying people, Uh, even in the midst of these massive layoffs, as I've said, the article I was reading went on to say that just even last month, an investment group denied the pay package. So I think still going for what would have normally gotten, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but apparently this group said no, uh, which would have seen the CEO receive almost $200 million in bonuses. Um, Yeah. So this was just coming off of a year earlier. That same group suggested that your regular Activision employee would only make a third of a percent of what Kotick makes. A third of a percent. You know, the people actually making these things happen for all of mm-hmm. us. Which, you again, know, laid off 8% of their workforce. Mm-hmm. Because they they just didn't have the money. And, you know... 
$33 billion a year or whatever oh my God, outrageous it's amount it was. Yeah. I mean, if I was handed $33 billion and they said, this is yours for like, this is it. No more. Mm-hmm. $33 billion. I would give away $32 billion of that. Because I don't need it all. I can't. What am I going to do? What, what is he doing with it? I don't understand either. Like, it just comes to a point where, I mean, we've even said this before. Bezos is making, like, rocket ships and stuff. Like, he doesn't even know what to do with all of his freaking money at this yeah. point. Nobody's looking to use it for good, mind you. They just don't know what to do with it. And it's it's bizarre that you wouldn't find a way to give back, especially to the people who are making your company what it is. When you hear all these outrageous stories about Amazon, about mm-hmm. Activision, <laughs> and these CEOs are making so much money, I, I just cannot for the life of me register how they don't say, you know what, they've been busting their ass. I know it's hard for them. We're going to give them this. Because mm-hmm. honestly, all these 80-hour work days yep. and people that are complaining, which they have every right to be. Right. Understand what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. When they say right. that we're work, being worked to death, if you gave them an incentive of like a double, triple bonus or whatever, like mm-hmm. they're, they're set for life, oh my God. Right. They won't give a damn. They'll just be like, all right, see you. You know, once they're done. But they'll work their ass off. So I've never understood that corporate mindset myself because like even just in my own personal experience at workplaces that I feel like I've thrived and enjoyed the most was always when you got more being thanked for what you did, showing that appreciation, um, letting you know that you are the integral cog in the machine. Mm hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems like I can't understand how they just keep getting their bonuses when every year you keep making massive layoffs. Something just doesn't seem to work out for me here when this happens. Now, I'm not yeah. some big corporate billionaire business person, but the, the, the math just doesn't seem to work here. I mean, we've reported in the past already, too, that Activision laid off 50%. Of its esports personnel, which that kind of took a lull last year, you know, uh, live, I guess I should say. So, like, a lot of their live events they've cut back on. Okay, fine, maybe, sure. Um, But in answer to your earlier question about what his salary has gone from, so we were looking at 1.7 mil, right? Mm -hmm. Now only 875,000. But even with this cut... It's still eligible, still eligible for bonuses of up to 200% of his base salary. So he still could be at like well over three for just the bonuses and stuff alone. So Mm -hmm. I just had to point this out because I, I, I wanted to go back and look it up because it's just like with all of this keep happening on top of his salary, and then the $200 million that Kota could still be awarded in June, mind you, from all these other bonus structures and stuff that they've had set up with the board committees. Um, 2000, let me see if I can find it here. So in 2018, 770 people were laid off. Record high, they reported again that year, right? As far mm-hmm. as money's brought in. 
2019, 800 employees. 2020 was about 50 so far and a lot more from like the esports side of things. Mm-hmm. And still putting up record numbers. So I'm looking at almost 2,000 people that lost their job and a profit and a record profit year for them to get more bonuses. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way it makes sense. Uh, so, I mean, I know like some people, oh, good, he took half or whatever. I don't even think it was that. He was kind of forced to. And then when you're looking at all of these numbers, like still going to be way more than fine than most regular humans in the world. So I'm just. That's, <sighs> that's the key word you just said there, forced to. Mm-hmm. Forced The way this agreement reads, it was them who said, no, we'll only give you the 850 or 875, sorry, but you could still make like 200 times that on a bonus and all this kind of stuff. So (sighs) whatever. Their stock is even at an all time high. (laughs) Like, so he's even got stock bonuses and stuff that he's in. So he'll be totally fine. So I guess it just depends on what article you're reading, you know, that's trying to make it sound like he did a good thing or not. I I still don't believe in his altruism even a little bit. Hell no. So um, he'll be fine. And then unfortunately, they did re-up his contract. So I guess we're at least, or they are, I should say, stuck with him till 2023 at this point and then see what happens in a couple of years. Kind of makes me wonder uh, this forced uh, pay cut, if mm. that wasn't part of the plan, hoping to kind of just nudge him out thinking that he just wouldn't go for it. But then why and give him two more years? Because <laughs> the plan backfired. Oh, uh, oh, maybe it was like, fine, I'll do that, but I need, I get to be on for. Yeah. Hmm. And he was like, they were like, shit. It's like, we're all, we, we thought the money thing would just run him off. <laughs> you know what? You might be right. You might be right. When it comes to money of these executives anymore, that's all they're looking at is like the digits. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Screw Bobby Kotick still in my mind. He can go suck an ass of a cow. <laughs> I, this is why I hate when corporations get too overblown and out of out of control. Uh, so speaking of more monies, though, it seems like this was the week of all of that. Um, so uh, we haven't really talked about cyberpunk in a while, which is good or bad, depending on who you are. Had a rocky launch. Not even going to get into it. We're all very painfully aware of everything that went wrong with that launch. Rocky um, is an but... understatement. <laughs> but like, continue. Yep. But yeah. Uh, but among everything that had happened, it seems that, though, the CDPR executives are still getting those bonuses after all. You know, the ones who, I don't know, created the whole freaking mess we're sitting in in the first place. But Jason Scryer, our good old buddy, our good old games business guru <laughs> over at Bloomberg, reported that five of the board members are now set to earn a combined total of $28 million. Now, to compare... Employee sources told Bloomberg they'd receive somewhere between 5000 and maybe 20000 depending on their seniority for their bonuses. <sighs> I'm in the wrong <laughs> business. people making all of this money. So CDPR's annual financial report, mind you, estimates that a $562 million was brought in in revenue last year, even with everything that happened. How? <sighs> <I> go- <laughs> 
just don't understand life anymore. I just don't understand life. Which uh, it went on to say that that's a 500% increase over the prior year, even. So employees were expecting more, obviously, in my opinion, especially in this case of the cyberpunk catastrophe, much more. I mean, they were hacked. They were threatened. They were crunched to death over this damn game. You name it. And yet the suits are still walking out with the freaking money. Oh, my God. They create. Anyway, I'm getting off. I'll just go on a tangent. They create this freaking mess. <laughs> and then anyway. Ah, so the, the board's still sitting fine, it seems. So um, it's not, of course, settling well with, you know, other people in an investor call, which is where we always learn the best juicy gossip for these stupid calls they keep making and letting people hear. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Just don't listen to me. But uh, in an investor call, uh, I think, I don't know if I know how to say his name right. Kaczynski with with the CDPR over there. I don't know if I could say his sure. last name right. Was asked whether it was appropriate you know, for all the executives to still take these huge bonuses. And of course, he's like, well, we earned this money and the company earned this money, of course. But the, the net profits and the bonuses, we get results, we get bonuses. That's just the contract we have. Bull. I mean, we've already signed a paper that says we get this, whether it's right or wrong. But our contract. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's stick behind the contract about whether that's right or wrong. Sure. I mean, those are not, not, you can't break them. They're binding. We already signed it. Like, I know it looks like a mess, guys, but it's in black and white. Let, let me tell you something about bonuses, okay? My job uh, does bonuses yearly, okay? So if there's a profit, we get a profit sharing bonus. Yeah. And I have this hunch at some point. They're going to find a way to ease away from those profit-sharing bonuses for those of us who work mm -hmm. while the executives continue to get theirs. Because we've all been waiting for it to happen. Well, if you think about it, like, and this again could be a whole other topic, but I think that's one of the problems with like overblown capitalism or whatever. It's like you keep thinking every year has to beat the one before it has to beat the one before it has to beat the one before you get to a point where like, how much more can you possibly do for this thing? So they have to start doing all these manipulative little things to keep their pockets looking like, hey, the shareholders mm -hmm. are happy. This is the only way we can give them more money is to keep taking it away from that. Yeah. God, I wish there would just be that one beacon of a company <laughs> for the games that would come out and be like, look, I make my 80 a year. I'm happy. I'm living comfortable. I don't know. Whatever. Even 200 a year. Whatever. Be a little greedy. But then, like, after that, like, keep yeah. your machine oiled, man. Keep your machine oiled. Anyway, so I guess congratulations to the CDPR executives. After all of the mess that you've made, you're still getting your little payday. I should have looked up if they laid anyone else off, too, because I feel like that's always if they get a raise, you got to see how many people had to lose their job for it. Um, so I have to eat some crow, it looks like. OK. And I'm happy to do it in this right. case. So with the whole the Apple versus Epic and the 30 percent cut. And I think we remember me saying earlier on that Microsoft was on Epic's side and I told them to put their money where their mouth is then. Well, 
apparently they've announced to do just that. So Microsoft has announced it will be reducing its store cut on the Windows Store to 12% for the developer side and what they'll take. So okay, I said, if you were on Epic's side, prove it. Boom. Well, there we go. Maybe I stand corrected here. Um, I, again, very happy to do so. So Microsoft is planning to cut its percent from 30 to 12 starting August 1st. Uh, these changes are only for the PC side of things right now. Um, is there's no clear reason I could find why on the console it was still saying 30%. Um, but from other research, it seems like it might just be a different kind of deal. Um, consoles try to keep the cost of the console low. So they make deals with like game companies and all this kind of stuff to take a cut from the game. So I haven't punched numbers and all that kind of stuff, but that I, I could see that making sense. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they're working something out there. I don't know. Cause I stand corrected here that they were going to do it on their PC storefront, at least uh, so far. Um, but I, I guess the move is now on you steam and valve. I mean, I think you might be uh, the last one taking a 30% cut maybe out of these bigger ones. But uh, coming with this is also a note that Microsoft is working on an overhaul to its Windows Store. So see, they're trying to attract those PC gamers back, promising faster Mm -hmm. download speeds that you'll be noticing over the coming months and paving the way for devs to be able to submit any Windows app to the store, which could help them out with taking a cut as this would allow third party money coming in. So they're probably figuring out other ways to kind of make up the difference of that. But sure. All right. Yeah. There you go. I mean, looks like they're at least going to try. Cause I was saying, man, like you're going to be on their side. You're doing the same damn thing. But with this challenge with cross platform games has been the, the one that was really coming up here. Cause of course we just mentioned They'll do it for PC, but not for console. What if you're a developer for both, right? Like your mm-hmm. game's on all these platforms. So like, what do you do there? For the player, you're fine. Nothing's going to change for you. Um, but it seems that that play anywhere, which is what might be like the biggest question people have, because, you know, if I buy it on PC, but now I can play it on my console, right. y- you know, like, so mm-hmm. what does that mean? I don't know yet. They're probably still trying to figure that out. So uh, for context, if you don't know, uh, Play Anywhere is a program that was launched in 2016 when they started, you know, taking PC gaming more seriously again. Um, And it lets you buy a game and you can play it on your PC or your console, save files, DLC, achievements, all of that is supposed to carry over. Um, So console players, this is freaking excellent, right? But PC gamers still needed to lean on Steam. We still tended to kind of go over there for, for, (laughs) I mean, I think most PC players, correct me if I'm wrong, like they probably don't lean on console nearly as much. They probably have a console, but like Mm -hmm. they're going to gravitate towards that first. But if you come back to now buying and switching the games for the dev side of things with the new revenue split, uh, that 88-12 kind of gets a little messy, right? So if it's made for console, I'm assuming it's still the 70-30 split. I can't find the difference for that right now. So maybe they're still working it out. So I feel like it's their move now with the PC devs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like extend some sort of courtesy to the console developers. I don't eh, know. Who knows? I can't wrap my head around it right now either. <laughs> and if I was a developer, I bet all of these questions and more are like, so wait, what? What are we Wait a second? What are we doing now? Um, but yeah, I mean, congratulations. I mean, that does make me a little happy to hear that uh 
they were talking a big game and at least they're they're making plans to go that route after I'm gonna pretend it was me they totally listened to the podcast they heard me complain about it and you're welcome mm-hmm. gamers or developers I guess just say gamers there's no <laughs> difference for that I'm like you're still playing the game but uh, <clears throat> let's see the last little bit of news we had a state of play this week did we yeah kind of <laughs> I mean, there was only, like, one game really focused on it. So, if you're a Ratchet and Clank fan, congratulations. It was basically a 20-minute trailer for Ratchet and Clank. I admit it does look good. I think that was just, you know, a a game that I didn't play growing up or anything like that or different versions or any of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So, it doesn't hit those feels for me. Um, But it definitely does look nice. And since it's made for PS5... I'm going to have to like either rely on you or just other great gamers out there to tell me how it is since I will never get one. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to seem that way, which is weird because you think. I keep checking, a- man, but I will not pay over. I will not pay more. I will not. Right. So I'll just be patient. But I mean, we're just now starting to see some games that are coming out just for PS5 and stuff, hmm. which I guess pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. So. Maybe by the time I finally get one, there will be all sorts of them and, you know, I'll have a big library to choose from. But they did show off a little bit, though, of Subnautica Below Zero. So if you have the original Subnautica on PS4, again, they're saying you can get the upgrade to PS5 free. Um, this is, a, it looks like another DLC kind of expansion to it. Um, I, you know, did you ever try Subnautica? I think I actually, I think they added it to their... Um their group of games that you could get for free if you're a PlayStation Plus. I, gotcha. I'm pretty yeah, sure PS it's Plus in my library, but I, I never played it, but I've always been curious about it. What What mm-hmm. is it exactly? So it looks more like, quote unquote, like open world kind of, but you're um, it's mostly underwater. So it's mm-hmm. like you're building bases. Like this looked like it was expanding more on that, more exploration discovery building so very it felt feels very rpg heavy to me it's in first person um i'm not sure what kind of quests and stuff you go on i would imagine that you know like looking at the different sea life building your bases collecting this uh maybe like no man's sky under the water okay without the you know Obviously, you can't go to all these oceans across, you know, galaxies or whatever. Right. Kind of that feel, you know, where you're building your base, you're gathering stuff, you're collecting, you're underwater, you get eaten by a shark. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it has VR, so that's, I never would do it in VR. I I admit, I think I'd be too scared because it's like, it gets so dark and you're in like a little cage and then this shark coming at you. I mean, underwater life is really scary looking. Can be, yeah. And, like, it's real. Mm-hmm. I've seen some animals in the water where I'm like, that is a real thing. God did not love you. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only thing else they put on State of Play was Among Us is coming to PlayStation 4 and 5. I, so I'm, if you were uh I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't realize that it wasn't. <laughs> Well, it was always, you know, it that that's one of those strange games that it had been out for a while before it even picked up in popularity. Mm. I want to say I'd even read where the devs were like moving on to make an Among Us 2 or something else. And then this one finally got some legs and Twitch 
people got a hold of it and it picked up popularity and now they're 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 focusing on this one here i think it took like three years like it had been out that long already on pc and then here we go so cult Hmm. cult following just very slowly kind of creeped into our lives there uh so yeah that was kind of all of the bigger news that I wanted to chat with you this week. There's a lot going on, but mm-hmm. we have a few quickets. Okay. I actually feel kind of bad. I don't know if these are even that quick. It was just like little things that I felt like saying, whatever, <laughs> you guys are used to me by now. We're gearing up for E3. Yeah, what what's going to be left of it, I suppose, because ah, who's going to be there? Gonna... Yeah, <clears throat> Konami. Uh, announced that they will not be attending. Apparently, they, the, the timing was just less than ideal for them to be able to get something together to present. Um, didn't specifically say what, why, how, anything, although I don't know what they were presenting. Yeah, that, that was my big question. What what exactly do you have? <laughs> because you trashed all your other franchises. What do you have left? Yeah, so it might have just been read between the lines, like, we're not really working on anything right now anyway to show. So I don't Mm-hmm. Back to your uh, gambling games, you bastards. <laughs> but, I mean, supposedly we'll see it still take place on June 12th through the 15th. So I guess I'll just keep my eye on. I started following a bunch <clears throat> of the devs now because I'm like, we'll see. Uh, we're starting to see some drop off. Maybe this will be the death of E3 we're seeing now, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's going to have to turn into something else other than a video game showcase if they want to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to be an electronics showcase, so right. how about TVs and th- I mean stuff that we're just I mean, we're not going to cover here, but right, like it would make sense electronics, yeah, yeah. expo, you no, know, like, no more video games. Get back to the electronics. Get back to all the gizmos and gadgets. Te- oh and yeah, just maybe like tech. technology in general. Yeah. Like games are of course a part of that, and that could be yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll just have to see how conventions shape up once mm-hmm. uh, we move past. This version of life that we're in right now, um, and see what kind of live events hang on and hang out. Uh, let's see, EA and its ever search for more money closed the deal on Glue Mobile this week. Uh, 2.1 billion dollars they spent to acquire them, um, and you know get all that transaction money off of mobile games because Glue does like. Um, uh, Diner Dash and um, I don't know. There's a couple of those other games you like, you know, got to yeah. pay for the money to pay to in the game or move it along or all this kind of stuff. So I was trying to remember where I knew the name. Like, I know I've heard of Glue Mobile, but mm-hmm. I can't attach it to one specific game. Like, that was the one that stood out to me that, like, I went, oh, yeah. But I think I actually left their webpage open, too, because I was looking through it today. Because I was like, what else new did they have going on? Because I didn't think of anything. But, yeah, like, just almost a ton of little mobile games. Uh, Diner Dash was one of them on there. Uh, Oh, the baseball mobile games. Tap Sports. Uh, okay dear hunter kim kardashian hollywood all right so okay games. yeah anyway yeah, yeah. we're getting in the weeds now but uh <laughs> but i mean this now gives them access to over 100 million monthly active subscribers that glue already had so congratulations ea it's like you can't not give them your money right <laughs> oh well so, I'm like, i don't i don't even know what they own anymore if you're trying to like <laughs> Stick to your own morals. I don't know. Okay. Trial of the Ages kicks off today, y'all. 
what is that? versus Apple. Ah. It's actually starting today. There will be testimony apparently throughout from Tim Cook, uh, Phil Schiller, Tim Sweeney. All your favorites will show up in the sitcom. Uh, or I guess whoever else they could actually get to testify. I don't know. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. We'll see what's going on throughout yeah. the week and however long this takes. <laughs> hey, they got a date sooner than I thought. I really thought we'd be talking about this for at least two years, three years before they even got a date set. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. here we go. Here we go. And featuring 30... special guest star Bill Gates. <laughs> Maybe, maybe the thirty percent versus the twelve percent crowd. We're good. <laughs> the thirty percent. That's gonna be the new thirty yeah. percent. We have to talk about the thirty percent. You know, our families have been warring over the thirty percent for a long time. <laughs> and we gotta come to an agreement. We can't. We can't keep working like this. This is not good. It's not good. It's not good. And see. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of lawsuits, there's a brand new one now, too. Okay. We knew it was going to happen. You were waiting for it. You were probably betting on it. And just this past week, Valve has now the owner of a shiny lawsuit for its 30% cut. Oh, it's happening now, boys. (sighs) It's happening now. This class action lawsuit is coming from Humble Bundles creator Wolfire Games saying that Steam Valve has the monopoly power over PC gaming market to extract an extraordinarily high cut, which was the normal cut up until about a year ago, from nearly every sale that's passed through its store. Um, so, yeah, they're, uh, they're going after that 30% money. I mean, it's just now look, it's all putting more money in the in the pockets of developers, right? Like if mm. that's exactly what's going to happen, I'm for it. It's fine. I, I they're the ones who created it, gave me this entertainment. Uh, you're you're a storefront. You're just you know you're like the middleman. But <laughs> I can't help but laugh <laughs> at the snowball effect this thing has had. Sweeney, who knew your power was. So big. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, claims that Valve owns approximately 75% of the entire PC gaming market, reaping an estimated $6 billion in annual revenue as a result from that 30% via loan. So we went in. Open the. F- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, okay. Valve only has like 360 employees, so they're probably looking at it like, oh, but they don't have as many people. <laughs> yeah. So they don't need all that money. <laughs> What are you going to do? I also think it's funny because like Humble just came off of like some crap last week too. Well, you know, like when IGN bought them like a few years ago and it's just kind of slowly been moving in a direction that people have been paying attention to. So now like the sliders on Humble Bundle have Mm. now been missing for some people, like how much you can give to charity. So it's now starting to seem like not nowhere near the amount that you could give so much of it to charity. Like it was at kind of your discretion on how much you wanted to make the cut. And now it seems that is going away. I don't think entirely. But that was always the beauty of Humble because – that you're doing something good and you're getting some things in return. So if I don't have, yeah, if I don't have that incentive, then why would I bother? Right. Well, I'll have to see how it shakes out and I might get heat for this too, but it's like, it was the only site to my knowledge 
that kind of had that. And it still will keep some of the features. And believe me when I say I think it sucks. It's really gross. And it was really great to be able to have a storefront where I could decide that most of my money went to charity or or whatever. Um, I think the attractiveness of the price of the bundles will keep some people still coming back. I know it's a big talk right now and you want to. And I hate that it's happening. But I think when you're spending 10 bucks on like 30 games or whatever, I, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought it very well through yet. I just feel like we'll see how it shakes up. Well, they're going to have to change your name because it'll no longer be a humble bundle. Right. No, no, so so. Not, not, no, nowhere near as humble. For sure. Yeah. So we'll see where it ends up lying. I think most of us are looking at IGN and pointing fingers at that one like, thanks, you know, but um, I don't know how viable. I often wondered, honestly, if I was able to just constantly keep giving it all to charity, how they managed to even stay afloat. Because I mean, there's still charges with keeping a website open and all this kind of stuff and employees. I don't know. We're in the weeds on that one now. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's see. Did you see, did you watch that R- Resident Evil puppet show thing? Uh, yeah, a little. And then I was like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm, I have I'm no gonna idea what's going on. It's completely not a language I speak, obviously. So, And they didn't have English subtitles or anything. But if you just want to like watch some sort of, I, I guess it's their promotional I mean, they do definitely do things much more extravagant and weird as far as promotionals go. And I feel like with the way the puppet show went, you kind of at least got an idea of what was going on. I don't know. It was glorious. If you just want to waste like three minutes of your time and watch these um, Resident Evil 8 characters as puppets in some musical-ish, I don't know what I watched, but... (laughs) I say go check it out because it made me laugh. And this is just a fun mention. Jeff Goldblum was cast as an elf sorcerer named Balmar in the new D&D podcast. Mm. <laughs> I think this is going to be mm. amazing. I don't know. Ooh. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> what uh, oven things are we going to be playing today? Oh, God. Ooh. <clears throat> oh, this is going to be great. It's audio only, which makes me a little sad, but... It'll be on the newest season of the Dark Dice podcast, which is uh, called The Long March, set to air on May 12th. (laughs) So if you want to go listen to that, I thought that was great. Just the picture they used of Goldblum, too. Like, uh, I just love it. Have you ever (laughs) noticed his his hand motions where he'll just, with his finger, and he's um, talking, hmm, yes, just like that. Just, I tell you what, I don't know how he made it into our lives, but I'm happy he did. <laughs> quick, quick Jeff Goldblum uh, appreciation. I recently mm-hmm. rewatched, and I hadn't watched this in a while, but it's one of my all-time favorite movies of his, The Fly. Oh, if God. You, if you've never seen The Fly, this is one of those 80s movies that they, that decade that I grew Freaked up in that I'm always talking about. Well, I was about. way too young to be watching it when I was, but sure. anyway, continue. But David Cronenberg, if you don't know who that is, shame on you. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, phenomenal. It's such a great movie. I mean, this is one of those remakes that mm-hmm. does it right. Like, nice. The Fly, if you go back to the 1950s, it's just kind of, you know, silly sci-fi. Oh! Yeah. But this, they take it into an entirely new direction. 
but in all the best ways. Someone, I was watching something about it, like behind the scenes. I can't remember where I heard it. Uh, but they were talking about how the music was, because mm-hmm. the score is another thing I love about the movie. Mm-hmm. And they play it like an opera. And I never thought about it, but I was like, it is an opera. And the score is very operatic. It mm-hmm. all, oh my God. And it just added yet another Works. layer. But he is, he is phenomenal in that movie. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. It's one of those I've been wanting to get on uh, Blu-ray or something like that. And I think I found a set, but it's like, it's an interesting set because it's, and I dismissed it initially because of this, it's uh-huh. all of the Fly movies. So it, you'd have to get the original uh. ones, but that one is in there as well. And I was like, I really don't want that one. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen it, mind you. Right. I've never seen it, but it was just like, I just want that one. I just, right. just this one. And well, if it's cheaper just to get them both, then I guess but whatever. That's that's but. the messed up part is all the prints of the other, like if it was ever on DVD or Blu-ray before, you can't find it. So it's like you get that set or you don't get it at all. And it's like, well, damn. <laughs> you just take it. Back me into a corner. Love it. But his uh, 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 Brundlefly. Ooh, he's just amazing it. he's so great Lovely. just like I know. the little nuances like the little fly twitches it's just it's creepy but it's so good i know i'm telling go watch it we're yeah. see we're like go back to the 80s it's, this episode we're it's like go actually, watch night court go watch the fly yeah it's <laughs> if I, I don't know if it's because it is may now fingers oh gosh, crossed yes. It was last seen, like I watched it on Amazon Prime. It was on there. So if you can oh, find okay. it on there, go go check it out right now. Go check it, it out. I, I swear to you, it's it's a great movie. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. The ending is nightmare fuel. Just be aware. But be uh, before that, just be prepared. By the, by the time you get to the end, <laughs> it's intense. Just prepare. Mm. Prepare. Anyway, oh, continue. Man. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, let's see more Borderlands casting <clears throat> news. We now have our Moxie. Played, uh, who will now be played by Gina Gershon, if we remember her. Uh, I looked her up, I guess, like, Face Off and Showgirls is, like, the top ones that, like, stood out, like, that I remember watching. Mm. Um, And then it looks like uh, Charles Babalola, I'll admit, I I didn't know who this was, um, but has been in episodes of Black Mirror, uh, is cast as Sir Hammerlock. And uh, Cheyenne Jackson, who said it was from American Horror Story, uh, and also Thirty Rock, which I was like, I, 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 I never watched enough Thirty Rock consecutively, so I could have easily missed whatever these were. But um, Cheyenne as Jacobs, which um, the article was assuming was Wainwright Jacobs, which I'm not as familiar with some of the lore. So if that means something to you, mm-hmm. then there you go. And then Bobby Lee as a brand new character named Larry. So oh, a brand damn. new one that none of us even know. There you go, people. There's that brand new character bullshit they cram into these video games. Because <laughs> we don't know what's going on here. So let's create a character that people can just relate to. because and then they can't complain about because it, it wasn't canon anyway. So look, I'll admit this: for like that was one of my complaints with Monster Hunter, like initially. Mm-hmm. But in the context of that story, I've actually started to give it a pass. Okay. Because there are really no characters in Monster Hunter that that are like Mortal Kombat. You know, you they're you're just the hunter. Mm-hmm. 
this is the hunter. Okay, so let's bring in someone that trains with the hunter. They become a hunter, but mm-hmm. you don't have a real hunter character. Like if they said, we're going to make a Legend of Zelda movie, but but Link's not going to be the main character. It's going to be this guy, Charles. Uh, it's like, who? Good old Chuck. Yeah. <coughs> because we the, the audience needs somebody to connect with. And they right? don't know who Link is. <laughs> they can't connect to him. Because fantasy doesn't work like that, right? Right. Anyway, right. Um, but Mortal Kombat. People trying to use their imagination. Yeah. Figure. Slew of how many damn characters in those games? And they couldn't oh, pick God. one that we could all relate to. I actually laid out an entire plan. I'm going to go on a rant. I'm going to rein this in. <laughs> but just the story beats, certain story beats that could have been tweaked and changed to make... All these story elements work as they did in this movie, but more cohesively and without Cole. So, yeah. inst- like, I, even with Cole, matter of fact, like, why not explain why Sub-Zero was there to kill Scorpion in the first place? Uh-huh. You know, because it never really did. Now, we could make assumptions <laughs> as to why. Of course, I could say I've watched so much now that I could tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. But, but, yeah, in this version. Yeah, in that movie, never really did. Mm-mm. So, why not say, hey, Shang Tsung hired him to do so because he knows that his, his bloodline or whatever is going to be uh, integral to the tournament. And we, we need to get them out of the way. Great. Okay. That explains that. And then when Cole shows up, you know, it's that mystery kid. Oh my mm-hmm. shit! We did. We thought I thought you killed them all. Oops, sorry. The bloodline still lives on. And then there you go. One little detail go. like that, and then that would have explained. All right. Well, at least it makes sense now. Sonya mm-hmm. and Jax. Why didn't we follow them discovering all this stuff about Mortal Kombat? Because that's what they were doing. Remember, they were kind of in the middle of that. Right. Take Cole out. Because now we can relate to Sonya and Jax because they're like, what is this thing? We're doing research, huh? What what is going on here? Mortal Kombat. Hmm. Right. <laughs> we're we're discovering this too, people. Right. Learning along with us. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's a lot of. I don't know. <laughs> they really dropped the ball. I'm sorry. The more I think about the movie, it makes it, I get angrier at it. Oh no. Well, I only did it the one time, so I guess I didn't have very much expectations. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually talking to someone the other day. Um, a friend of mine was just like, I, I guess I'm going to watch this. And <laughs> he messaged me half halfway. He's like, you know, when Luke King tried mansplaining the Arcana, I was done. And I was like, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Sex fair. Fair. All right. No, that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't blame you. Anyway, oh, continue, continue. Anyway, fun one. Shirley Curly. Curry, I don't know why I said girly. Shirley Curly. Shirley Curly. Curly. <laughs> Which is, of course, as most of us know, gamers' most favorite Skyrim grandma. Sure. Now has a follower mod, and you can recruit her after doing a short quest. Oh, wow. Ah! <laughs> and watch the little video. It's so cute. It looks just like her. Uh, so... <laughs> Shirley, who's now, if you download this mod, is a Skyrim follower, which you can download over on Nexus or Bethesda.net. And her character is a barbarian whose specialty is two-handed weapons and archery. 
and uh, combat looked amazing when she was doing it. Uh, it's only available on PC, though, right now. Sorry, guys. Oh, and Xbox One, if you could do the Bethesda.net thing. Uh, but, of course, PlayStation and mods never seem to get along that well, so you can't do it over there. But she even recorded dialogue for it. Aww. Aww. I'm so glad they've know. actually embraced her as opposed yes. to sweeping her under the rug because they could have easily uh, done that. Oh, it's mm. so cute. I recommend it. So apparently like all of her dialogue and stuff is um, just uh, like her telling stories about characters and some of the series that she's done on YouTube and like her opinions and comments and observations about locations around the world and stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> It'll be, a, they, they are promising expanding on it later on too in future updates. So it's so cute. And, you know, because of the fan support you know she's uh npc in elder scroll 6 whenever that is so like oh but now you can have her as a follower That's i thought nice. it was so adorable anyway my last quick it <laughs> guess what stadia announced in a full amazing fashion this week mm-hmm. about adding a search bar what a search bar <laughs> They totally bragged in a tweet about how Google, a search engine company, took 17 months to give Stadia a search bar. Holy shit. This is the most innovative thing I've ever heard in my life. Never mind that the Epic Store doesn't have a shopping cart. It still doesn't have a cart. I checked today. (laughs) But we're getting a search bar on Google's gaming platform. The world. Can- Do any of you wonder now why Valve is king? Who would have thought common sense just helps? <laughs> I mean, this is game changer. Game changer. I couldn't help but laugh so freaking hard. Definitely go back to that tweet and read the comments because there's some <laughs> gold in there too. Anyway, which begs the question, what have you all been doing this whole time since they got more than like five games? Now, I know initially, like when there was five games, you probably just didn't want to be disappointed by constantly searching for games that wasn't there. But now that we have like 170, (laughs) what have you all been doing this whole time? Uh, oh no. Just like flipping through. Is there at least an alphabetical order? Like, oh my God, I only messed with it when I was playing game and it was on the front page because it was brand new so I don't even remember if I tried to search for anything uh, I guess anyway, I didn't notice but I guess I didn't either well now now you can now Good. you can now you can search up them games people from you know the search engine masters they now bring you <laughs> search, search bar a search bar. Oh, my God. This week was hilarious. Uh, so as I'm looking through here, I think that's about it. I think I've rambled on enough. Some of this other stuff here. So we know what's going on. Um, uh, okay. This one's kind of fun, though. If you are a Pokemon card collector, just one thing that I had seen. Um, apparently, if you have been trying to get these cards assessed and maybe get a nice little payday on it, apparently mm. it's in such a flux that you could be waiting up to like nine months to get it done. Like these people, I, I, I'm assuming, I, my biggest guess, pandemic people trying to sell stuff. Sure. 
that's what I'm thinking. But a card rating company apparently needed to actually hire employees so bad it was offering $1,000 in starting bonuses because they just couldn't keep up. Um, and another company had to buy two warehouses to store all the cards it was getting in. Two warehouses, y'all. So where are they going? Like, how are they going <laughs> to sell the cards? I have no idea at this point. They're probably still just trying to get through them all so they can tell you if it's worth anything or not. Um, but apparently, uh, uh, the, even the most basic little Pokemon card can fetch up like $40 if it's in excellent condition. And graded cards are like 20 times worth more than that, which I didn't really realize like that grading made such a huge difference. But eBay, of course, is going to be racking up on this year. But <laughs> keep this in mind. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those card carriers looking to sell, if there starts to become an influx of the same card... The value will decrease. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the rarity of it all is gone, and you will not get your return, or at least not the return you're looking for. So, beware. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good call. You might want to get on it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I honestly think it's just, you know, people are trying to hurry up, make some extra cash, whatever. Um, it was going on to say here, too, that eBay might also actually be adding a feature to its app to scan cards and repopulate listings with the information. Because, like, with everybody putting it on there, so maybe that's a little helpful, making it slightly faster to get them listed and maybe sell. So, yeah, if you're one of those collectors and wondering what's going on, apparently you and the entire world had the same idea, and they're working hard to get through them, but you'll be waiting a while to get that greeting, it looks mm-hmm. like. So, best wishes. I hope all your cards are worth millions of dollars, and, and you all are in the money by the end of this year. I always wished that I had a rare comic book. Something. I mean, yeah, I, I bet the Hobbs dies somewhere if you would go through the ones he still has left at his parents' house from however long because he read them for so long. I mean, I've got boxes. All I, need, all I need is someone to just tell me, no, I tell you what, Mar- Marvel needs to do it. Marvel needs to go out and make one of these off characters super popular. And then I just mm-hmm. happen to have one of those comics they were in where they did something but we were like, oh. Like the first appearance, we just threw it away. Yeah, just like, like, yeah. No one's gonna give a damn about this character, and then suddenly it's like, oh, this character's hot. We need the first issue. I got it. What you need, man? So I don't uh, know. Well, best wishes on that endeavor. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> but I hand it off to you, then, my friend. Okay. Well. Hand it off to you. Uh, you know, like I was so- talking about earlier, I, I, I debated on a, a Pokemon Snap review, but then I decided, no, no. Today's story time. Story time. Yeah. Oh, story time. Now, a few weeks ago, I took you on a long journey of the storied history of the light gun. You remember that? Absolutely. Now, within that tale, I did mention a game that utilized the technology while it was moving it in a new direction. And that game was... Periscope. Upon mentioning okay. said game, I also made note of its possible creators, which was Sega and Nakamura Manufacturing. And I said possible because that answer has been and still continues to be a contentious topic. So with that in mind, let us dive into the mystery <laughs> and see what outcome we can derive from what we know. Yeah. Okay. Now, first things first. 
Shout out to Ethan Johnson, who provided much of this information. He is an independent games researcher who works for an editor, or works as an editor for Gaming Alexandria, which is a website dedicated to preserving video games. Go, oh, fun. Go check that out. Uh, he also has a blog called The History of How We Play, which is where I learned a lot of the greater details of this story. So if you're into gaming history, game preservation, uh, give these people a, a follow on socials, check out their sites, and I'll put links down below if you want to take a look at them. Check them out. Now, one may ask, why does ownership of a long-dead game matter at all? Well, when important history... Like the first game to charge a quarter is in question, you might want that claim to fame. You know, mm-hmm. uh, quarters became synonymous with arcades. The more mm-hmm. you had, the more you played. And they were like gold to kids. By God, if you found a quarter on the floor, <gasps> game! We'll work for quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so why is this game's ownership divisive? We all know the exact person who was responsible for Pac-Man. Mario, Sonic, hell, even Space Invaders. Yeah. Tomohiro Nishikado. Ha! I whipped it out, and I couldn't even say it. Like, One good, of these days. But I did. Tomohiro Nish- Nishikado. I don't know why I'm having... I see two eyes, and my, my eyes... My You're eyes. already like, yeah, your whole face is like, I gotta Nishikado. do this noise. Nishikado. Ha! Nishikado Tomohiro. I got it. Anyway, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's look at what we know from each side. Let's start with Sega. Let's do that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, at this point in time, Sega barely existed. They were created in 1965 through a merger of Rosen Enterprises and Nihon Goraku Busan. Pretty sure I said that right. Mm-hmm. Now, Rosen Enterprises was initially a photo booth manufacturer before getting into coin-op machines. Coin-op means coin-operated. That's why I'm going to be saying that quite a bit. So, you know, follow me <laughs> along here. Oh, I was like, why are you telling me? Oh, yeah, I guess no, maybe. I'm talking to the people. <laughs> talking to the people. Uh, the other company, which I'll abbreviate to NGB because I don't want to say that again, uh, manufactured jukeboxes and slot machines. Now, together, as Sega, they decided to become a gaming manufacturer. Keep in mind, these were not typical games you would initially think about at the time. They were more like carnival attractions. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't know about all of you out there. Think about those big games they have like at Dave & Buster's. The, mm-hmm. There's not just a cabinet and a monitor and some joysticks. It's like some big, gigantic, of course, not as high-tech. But you get the idea. Think carnival attraction. Now, initially, the company was looking to create games like basketball. You know, just like the the shooting the hoops and, oh, you get the scoreboard and all that stuff. Stuff you find at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Uh, There you go. Why didn't I think of Chuck E. Cheese a minute ago? Chuck E. Cheese. Well, probably David Buster's Uh, might be more current. That's true. Who knows? Uh, But it seems that Sega wasn't really looking or... They were, they were kind of trying to think of something more unique, something original, as opposed to just doing what everyone else was doing. They wanted to establish themselves in the market. Now, according to one source, company head David Rosen sketched out an entire idea, and that game was then created and showcased in London 
a, a, a trade show in London. I wish I'd have just said that before. <laughs> in November of 1966, this game was Periscope. Now, a description of the machine printed in the industry trade publication Cashbox labeled it as, quote, the Sega version of the Torpedo Shoot Periscope game, which indicates this is a similar idea to another game called Torpedo Shoot. Okay? Now, okay. a lot of these dates and a lot of these little articles, they're, they're very interesting details to keep in mind. Now, this particular game was developed by a company called Mayfield Electronics. Torpedo Shoot is what I'm talking about now. Okay. That was developed by Mayfield, Mayfield, God damn it, Electronics out of England and developed a variety of coin-out machines like slot machines and slot car racetracks. Remember those things? I do. That was fun. (laughs) Now, while their game was not identical to Periscope, Torpedo Shoot did feature certain similarities and had already released in 1965. Okay. Now, while there is no direct correlation between the two companies that has been found outside of an unrelated patent, Sega and Mayfield could have had business dealings that led to these similarities. So, they have had dealings, but Mm. we just don't really know what. So, maybe, possibly, it could have just been a coincidence. I don't know. Something like yeah. that. Maybe something else. So an accusation of infringement here is easily unfounded. We, I mean, nothing beyond that. In fact, mm-hmm. game developer Tato, Tatao, Tatao, T-A-I-T-O. I have trouble with this one all the time. T-A-I-T-O? Tato. Tato? Tato. They had a game of their own called Periscope. And it was completely different and unrelated. So, yeah. Well, I guess this was before we had to keep claiming names to everything before. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Pretty much. <laughs> now, in June 1967, another magazine called Coinslot published what is thought to be the first known photo of Sega's Periscope. In March 1968... Sega officially announced its launch in America, which Cashbox, or with which, I wrote the wrong word. Cashbox called it an industry classic. An interesting choice of words for a game at this point. Okay. Wait, wait, what? For the. For for Periscope. They were launching Periscope in America, Uh and Cash called it, or Cashbox called it an industry classic. When it launched in America. So, two years, and it's an industry classic already? Oh, that's like marketing. Yeah. Mumbo jumbo, I'm sure. It's an interesting choice of words. Yeah. We'll just say that. But you're, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, if all of this is 100% factual, then this establishes Sega's timeline. Okay? So, what? To, to our knowledge, it came out in 1966, launched okay. in America in 68. This is Sega's timeline with the game Periscope. Now, let's look at the other side of it. Nakamura Manufacturing was founded in 1955 by Masaya Nakamura as a developer of rooftop amusement spaces, which is something I never experienced, but it sounds amazing. 
Like it's just one big rooftop and there's a whole bunch of amusement park esque <laughs> games and yeah. attractions. Based in Tokyo, obviously this is why we haven't seen it. Uh, mm. The company eventually evolved into a manufacturer of amusements like Mickey Mouse Kitty Rides. You know, Mickey Mouse Kitty Rides. I don't know, like a train or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> or like those little spinny cups. Yeah, woo! Yeah. Uh, that began production in 1965. It is also said that this is the year the company created Periscope, which would predate Sega's claim by a year. However... No evidence exists to confirm this claim. In fact, the first published mention of the game by Nakamura was in April of 1967. Ten years later, an interview was published by Masaya Nakamura in another publication called Playmeter. In this interview, Nakamura was asked what the company's first amusement device was, and he said it was Periscope. When the interviewer compared Periscope to another more recent game called Seawolf and asked the game or asked if this game was its predecessor. Nakamura admits that while it was the first well known submarine game in Japan, there were other very similar ones just like it. Now, one may assume many things with that statement because that sounds like maybe there were others and he had one too. Right. So, was he the first or just one of many? Or, mm-hmm. However, an additional question is noted where it was asked if the company ever sold their games to competitors and licensed them out, to which the reply was yes. Now, yeah. while he didn't explicitly call out Sega here as one of the competitors... It is worth noting that Sega was a major outlet for international releases. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now, beyond those articles, numerous photos featuring... featuring what is featuring? <laughs> We're having a rough time today. I am. I saw Nakamura <laughs> and I saw Feature and they just came together as featuring. <laughs> <laughs> numerous photos featuring Nakamura's Periscope surfaced with most of these images noting that the year is 1965. And there are a few others that are a little bit more ambiguous. Another thing to note that I've yet to mention was the design of the two machines. Now, side by side, they are damn near identical with few minor differences. One would also have to assume they function the same as well. And the reason this cannot be confirmed is there aren't any working models of both versions. Aww. Yeah. Although, I in my research, I actually did come across this website called Flippers, and mm-hmm. they were attempting to restore one, but some pieces were missing. So I'm kind of oh, hoping they just shit. might... I think they, they probably have to sideline or maybe try to come up... It might not be 100% authentic, but... Yeah, they might have to rebuild some stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, with the information before us, one can deduce an argument in favor of either company. One may be stronger than the other, I would say. However, one historian has hypothesized what he believes to be as close to true as possible based on the facts before him. Alex Smith of They Create Worlds, which is a history blog podcast, has investigated this situation thoroughly. 
and posits that Nakamura created the original periscope, but as a custom rooftop installation model built for one of the amusement spaces. However, since the company was not able to manufacture full-scale arcade models until 1966, Sega could have copied the idea and manufactured the first arcade version. But this also suggests that Sega be thieves. (laughs) (laughs) And, And their accounts are better documented which kind of strengthens their case a little bit. So who yeah. do we believe here? I I mean, at this point, you're probably saying, why does it even matter? I mean, perhaps it really doesn't matter because no one's truly scrambling to play Periscope. And but still. Yeah. And History, we'd like it documented properly, I would hope. Yeah. I mean, there are no lawsuits pending over this IP. Uh, this game was a huge hit in its heyday. And it ushered in the quarter base coin ops. So knowing this history a little bit more clearly could help historians understand more about the industry at that point in time. I think that's another reason we want to have all the facts. Sure. Uh, Unfortunately, this may be a mystery that is never truly solved, but only speculated on. Because it's ironic that the past is hard to see for a game called Periscope. You know? Well done. Mm-hmm. But it's it, I, there's something to that, that hypothesis, I feel, mm-hmm. that I can see where it could have been built as something not necessarily as an arcade machine. Sure. And perhaps that's where the 1965, you know, that's when it was made idea comes into play. So they could have had one. They could have shown it off. And then someone mm-hmm. said, that's a great idea. I want to do that too. Or maybe they even told them, it's like, hey, why don't y'all go out and, you know, you can do that. Who knows? I don't know. Right. Yeah. But there's something about that that I feel like has a, a genuine, that makes sense. What happened beyond there? Like why Sega got it? Who stole what? If anybody. Right. I don't know. But it's it's fascinating. I'm, yeah. I, you'd think at this point, I know this is old, but it just feels like uh, why why don't we have all the facts with this one? You know, it's or, bizarre. You know, since we always default to the evil, maybe they do, and they've just got it all locked away in a vault somewhere because they're counting on none of us really caring anymore. Mm. It's that Kennedy assassination shit around the same time too. <laughs> Yeah. Huh? So around the same time, too, in the 60s. Oh, yeah. so maybe we'll get it unlocked soon. Too. 60s is know. just a mysterious time. It really, you know, yeah. Weird. It's all the Who drugs. <laughs> Probably not wrong. <laughs> I mean, we were pushing it out like, this is great. You know, Woo! bigger, faster, stronger. Oh, wait. Oh, Oops. that happens now, too. <laughs> But fine. Excellent. Well, thank you. And I think that's our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't forget, you can hit us up sometime on Twitter at Super Mega Crash. You can also send us an email at supermegacrash at gmail.com. You can find us over on Instagram to view the weekly icon art that Stephen puts his time and love into. Uh, and also, you can support the show by liking and leaving reviews on your preferred platform. And you can even go to patreon.com forward slash pencil and paper productions. How's Bunny? Uh, doing good. 
I'm good. Doing good. Good, good, good. Continue. See, be cool like Buddy. She's like thriving. Tell your friends to find us on the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network or search Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and even YouTube.com forward slash Pencil Paper Productions. Thank you for listening. I am Lacey O'Finley. And I am Stephen White. And you can join us again next time, Super Mega Crash siblings. But until then, game on. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.